0: The carriage came crashing through the stillness of the winter trees, shaking powdered snow from the branches in a violent plume. The horses ran before the relentless whip of their driver, who beckoned them on at the behest of his mistress. The Countess cackled her shrill and manic laughter as she screamed to go faster, to get through the castle gates before their pursuer caught up to them. The driver had seen no trace of any horse or fellow carriage giving chase, But on the few occasions he had dared to glance behind, he thought he saw something. But before he could make out what, he was forced to turn his attention ahead again to negotiate the treacherous pathways of the mountain pass to Castle Trown. The Countess was hanging out of the carriage's window, her black curls whipping around in the frozen wind, her laughter resonating through the air, infecting the woods. She sounded as crazed as the tortured souls inhabiting the asylum more so. Even as they sped on their way, pushing the horses, wheels and axles to dangerous degrees, the Countess hollered to the driver to hasten their pace, lest the one pursuing gain ground upon them. At the crest of the hill, the castle gates came into view. The Countess cheered, but insisted that they must go faster still, to ride as if hellfire were consuming the earth behind them. There was no more speed to be had, But that did not stop the Countess from screaming her demands the entire length of the distance up to her castle. The gates were hastily opened, and the carriage only narrowly avoided crashing through them. As soon as the coach was beyond the threshold, the Countess began to scream again, but this time for the gates to be closed, and the gatekeepers did as they were bade as swiftly as possible as the last vestiges of the world beyond closed out of view, there was no sign of their pursuer. Nevertheless, the Countess smiled as it sealed them in, radiating her self-satisfied glee as the adrenaline of the pursuit coursed through her veins. The day had been a success. She vacated the coach with her head held high, her unfastened dark hair falling in wild rivulets about her shoulders and crunched through the powdery snow into the castle. No one dared to meet her eye. The rest of the day passed without incident. The snow began to fall again, and as the evening dawned, it became apparent to everyone around her that there was something on the Countess's mind. Her temperament had always been erratic, manic even, with sudden and violent mood swings. Joy easily gave way to frantic anger, and if a member of her staff instigated this fury, they would be punished severely. These retributions would often be meted out for the smallest infractions, purely because the Countess wished it. The offending individual would be taken to a not-so-secret room where their punishments would be administered. Everyone in the castle today knew about this room, but had never seen the inside of it. They hoped they never would, for the ones that did never returned from it. So they kept their heads down, never met the Countess's eye, and worked as diligently as they could to satisfy her. Even then, they were never safe. But this evening, the Countess's mood was noticeably different. Her earlier relation had evolved into a contemplative satisfaction, where she was usually restless all through dinner, eager for a form of entertainment after the meal, tonight she was quiet, lost in thought. After dining, she took to wandering the hallways of the castle, aimlessly drifting along, staring at the paintings and fixtures, touching them, rubbing her body against the walls and dancing down the passageways. Lost in the rapture of sensuality, like the witches of the old stories. She then chose to retire for the night, earlier than usual, still in this uncharacteristically calm state. The Countess's bedchamber was ornate and lavish, with heavy curtains in purple, gold and red. The servants had already prepared the room for her rest, but tonight she reopened the curtains, allowing the pale moonlight to pour in. She extinguished her candle and sat upon her bed, looking out at the snow falling in a gentle pirouette, waiting. She spent hours in this state, and when the chill night air became too much to bear any longer, the Countess slipped into the covers and swiftly fell into a deep sleep. She slept for hours undisturbed. No windows had been opened. Not a breath of wind troubled the still open curtains, but she knew, and instantly she was wide awake. It was still dark outside, but that streak of white light still streamed in through the windows. She raised her head and looked about the room. In the reflected glow, she saw him stood at the other side of the room. He was statuesque so absolutely still and silent that she could have mistaken him for one, if not for his eyes. Those black, piercing eyes. His face was everything she thought it would be. Only his skin was of an indeterminate colour, and his countenance was stern and unflinching. His towering frame was draped all in black, silhouetted in the moonlight, The Countess's heart danced in her chest, and her eyes widened. She sat up and leaned back against the headboard, clutching her sheets to her chest with one hand. "'So I didn't outrun you,' she said. "'I thought I had left you behind in the snow.'" The visitor didn't flinch, didn't move, but his eyes continued to bore into hers. After a moment of uncertainty, he broke his silence.
1: I am always out there, as I am always here. To think anyone can outrun me is an illusion."
0: His voice was deep and cold, and it thrilled the Countess to hear it. I really thought I had done it, almost every time I have felt you there, at my back. You got so close. Was that what made all the difference? She smiled, coy as a debutante. Yes. The Countess's eyes widened further, and she gazed upwards. Her smile grew. Finally, she said, almost tearfully.
1: You're not afraid.
0: The visitor made his first movement since he appeared, and took a few steps closer, pausing in the light from the window. The Countess could see him more clearly now. He was more beautiful than she had realized. Of course not. You're here because I called you. I've been knocking on your door for so long, making offerings, bringing gifts, summoning you, challenging you.
1: You summon me without fear or regret. Yet you run from me when I come. Why?
0: The Countess smiled again, an excited look in her eyes. She chewed on the tip of her thumb. The thrill of the chase. Snow continued to drift past the windows, casting shadows upon the visitor's figure, a stillness at the centre of their ceaseless dance. Magnificent. "'You're magnificent,' she said giddily.
1: "'Your husband had motivations all his own.'
0: At this the Countess chuckled and nodded. "'Ah, yes, the dear man. "'Without him, I would not have this castle or this county, "'nor would I have been able to refine my skills. "'A soldier learns so much about killing "'that with the adequate application of will, one could turn it into an art. One might say he was my teacher. He was a patient tutor, and I an eager pupil. We had no shortage of peasants for our lessons, and we spent our days deep in study. It became my singular obsession, and eventually, I surpassed him. She looked deep into the eyes of her visitor, looking for some kind of approval, but found nothing further than the same unfaltering gaze. You felt them all, didn't you? she said.
1: All of them.
0: She licked her lips. And with each one, did you wish to come to me? Collect me as your own? Meet out your own form of justice?
1: You do me a disservice. I know nothing of justice.
0: So you say, but then what has brought you here? The visitor's lips parted and his chest appeared to rise as though he had taken a breath, a movement so fleeting that the countess doubted if she actually saw it.
1: Balance.
0: She threw her bed covers aside, exposing her to the chill of the room in nothing but her thin nightgown, but she was so emboldened that she barely felt it You lie. You come to me because you admire me. Because you feel threatened by me. Desperate to know how I can do your work as well as you can. Because you have tried to pursue me so many times to end my attempts to match you. And each time I eluded you. There has been no one before me that comes even close to what I have done for you. You can lie to yourself, but not to me. I know your mind but you have no need to be threatened. I don't seek to usurp you. On the contrary, I wish to prove to you that I am worthy of being your equal." The figure's lips turned down into a grimace, the first sign of any emotion he had shown.
1: Today, you commanded the deaths of 14 people, by all accounts, innocent people and their sentence was carried out savagely. Before them there have been more than anyone would believe even you to be capable of. Hundreds. Girls and women from the village. The staff of your house. Your own husband. You torture and slaughter your people. The floors of this house are flooded with their blood.
0: All for you. Do you not see? I freely admit that I want your admiration, your affection, and you've given it so willingly. With each pursuit of me, I knew what you were really telling me was that I mattered to you. I wanted to show you all I could offer to you, my love.
1: And now they call you Lady Death.
0: What greater title could there be for your new bride? The Countess's passion crackled. Her eyes started to reveal the frenzy usually reserved for when her bloodlust would take over. His head cocked slightly to the side, gazing upon her with curiosity, for never before had he seen such a brazen display. There was joy in her demented expression. This was everything she had been waiting for, and she trembled with excitement over what would come next. Let me take my place beside you. Then the visitor smiled. No, not a smile. A smirk. Arrogant and derisive. Or at least she thought he did. His skin didn't move. His lips didn't stretch. There was no change to the stony expression. But she could swear it was there. The Countess's own expression soured. Who has given you more than me, she barked, leaning forward in the bed, straining like a chained animal. Who fed you souls to consume until you were glutted? You stayed satisfied and happy because of me. And yet after all I've done for you, you still come for me. Why? The stranger strode forward until he was at the foot of her bed. Now there was no mistaking the grin on his face.
1: The thrill of the chase.
0: The Countess pursed her lips and looked up at the looming figure. Now he was closer, the beauty she first perceived elicited an uneasy feeling in her. He was impossibly tall, a mountain of shadow. His eyes were full of flame and hungry, ready to add her to the fire.
1: You were never a threat to me. There is no one who can do what I can. I have taken worlds. But I took no satisfaction from a single one, though I do feel them. You have given me nothing.
0: Her body shivered suddenly aware of the chill in the room again, raising bumps on her flesh. Her breath fluttered through parted lips, leaving a trail of vapor.
1: You have tipped the balance too far, Lady Death.
0: Her eyes began to water as she turned her cowed head to look at him, but she would not allow them to form into tears. And now you are here to do your task, her voice trembled.
1: I will feel no pleasure from it.
0: Will it hurt? Yes. A momentary sneer was the only sign of fear that escaped her.
1: Given the agonies you have inflicted in life, it seems only fitting.
0: The Countess scoffed. (laughs) I see. Balance? Balance. The Countess swallowed and turned her welling eyes to the snow again, drinking it in for what may be the last time. So what awaits me now? Eternal damnation? He was beside her bed now, close enough to touch. The heady smell of pine and fire lingering on his cloak. Shadows and silence.
1: I do not know. I have never, nor will ever know what happens to you beyond. I come to deliver you, I know not where you go."
0: He sat beside her, his massive frame overwhelming the Countess's senses, and she shrank back against her headboard. He reached out a long, cold hand and pressed it to her face gently. Her breathing became a series of tremulous knots and her body shook all over. Both hands were upon her face now and he shifted his body on top of hers, enveloping her under his cloak. She felt the weight of his body press upon hers, his face upon hers, his arms wrapped around her in a grim embrace. She felt him in every depth of her, his body driving through her skin Then the pain he promised screamed into being, the most tremendous agony she had ever known. He slowly, very slowly sank down deeper, their bodies merging together, though she felt as if every inch of her was being ripped apart. He placed a hand over her eyes, and the faces of a hundred frightened young women and men all stared back at her with pleading eyes the victims of her bloody reign bearing witness to her own pain, forcing her to confront them all in an inescapable void. The Countess's screams would have ricocheted around the curtained walls of her room had she breath left in her to scream. He was taking her air, her pulse, her soul, but there was no respite from the agonizing pain. As she finally felt the last traces of him slip out of her, the Countess's body stiffened. The blood in her veins slowed to a crawl, painting her skin to an ashen colour. As she laid still on her bed, her thin nightgown providing no protection from the bitter cold, her head turned to the window, and her glassy eyes watched the snow dance. I... I did it all for you. She rasped in a disembodied voice. From the darkness, he whispered. I know.
1: And here I am.